raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. NSW Media. Feminist Buzzkills Live, the show that invites Ilhan Omar to chair all of our committees. I'm Liz Winstead, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Moji Alawadeel. Hello, and Marie Khan. Hello, everyone. Coming up on today's show, we recap March for Life's depressing victory lap, discuss AAF's Send in the Gowns action with Max Carwile and Kristen Haiti, and comedian Liz Mealy talks about toxic positivity. But first, should we send a case of Depends over to SCOTUS? Poor guys can't catch a leak. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like it was, we were off last week and like we had some big things happen and the SCOTUS leak was one of them. And I just feel like the world needed our hot takes. You know, we do have the abortion podcast to end all abortion podcasts and it's a mess over there. It's a huge mess. It's almost like they have like billions of people that could possibly have access to this information. Mm -hmm. And they don't. I know. And, you know, a couple of things occurred to me. First of all, the organization or that was assigned this job to investigate the leak was basically like the bodyguards for the Supreme Court and the people who sort of like look at the building security. They're not exactly the chief investigators, right? This isn't and, the crackpot ex- investigative unit. No, they might be the crackpot investigators. <laughs> oh, crackpots. <laughs> but I feel like, you know, the Trump administration is being investigated everywhere. Maybe there literally no one's available. It's like trying to find a contractor. <laughs> it's like, I just have to go with that guy. But also they didn't investigate the justices. And I just feel like you gotta be kidding me. Yeah, that seems I, like a major swing and a miss right there. Really does, because it's like, you know who definitely saw whatever was happening as the opinion was being written? The justices. Yeah. 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 And it's wild that like not them nor their families, which like Jenny Thomas had no reason to like they weren't really being investigated or really questioned in a sworn in capacity. Right. And not to mention the fact that they did determine that there wasn't a breach in security, that it was definitely something that came from inside the Supreme Court, you know, sort of infrastructure. Mm -hmm. And so it's like if nobody broke in, it's one of the gossipy people. Or then I was thinking, do you remember during COVID when they were doing remote Supreme Court hearings and one flush heard around the world? Yes. Flushed. (sighs) If you find the flusher, me thinks you'll find the leak. So that is my, that is my gift to ask humbly to carry on. And then you can get a twofer. Find the flusher, find the leak. But I just wanted us to not carry on after our break without having a few thoughts about that. But, you know, enough about their incontinence and incompetence. We're excited to have a new member of the FBK team coming back from break. Molly Gaby, one of our fantastic writers, is going to be here each week. She's going to be delivering the roundup of the biggest stories in Reproductive Everything. Molly, what you got for this week? 
Thanks, friends. Happy to drop a steaming pile of this week's news on you. Let's get into it. Uh, let's start with the sexy M&M in the trail mix, shall we? The president signed a memorandum that emphasizes the need to safeguard patients and protect access to medication abortion. Hells yes. I mean, people should already have access to life-saving medicine without a memorandum needing to say it, but okay, we're going to take it. Next up, Florida's 15-week abortion ban is being challenged in court which is like thumbs up, but this part is sus. The Florida Supreme Court has not blocked the ban in the interim, a thing that usually happens when a case is making its way through the courts. That's because the Florida Supreme Court has historically been pro-abortion, but that changed when shite master general Ron DeSantis stacked the court with anti-abortion ass clowns like himself. Next up, oh joy, more Florida news. I knew you wanted it. Two people were charged with FACE Act violations for graffitiing a fake clinic. Now, the FACE Act is the Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances Act, which, quote, prohibits threats of force, obstruction, and property damage intended to interfere with reproductive health care services. Last time I checked, handing out pamphlets of Bible verses and shame does not count as reproductive health services. Nevertheless, Karen's and Amazon's doctor's coats at fake clinics are playing the victim while real abortion clinics are still experiencing actual harassment and violence. This checks out. Next up, New Mexico has become a vital bright spot in a grim corner of the country for abortion access, but some New Mexico towns do not want to be part of the Southwest's abortion haven. So they've been using local ordinances to ban clinics. Now they are correctly being sued by the New Mexico Attorney General. And if you're wondering where these towns are getting their legal defense from, look no further than Texas, the place where this shitty trend started. Okay, how about some good news? Here we go. California is doing the literal most to show the rest of the states how to act right when it comes to providing safe, compassionate, and accessible abortion. They're doubling down on awesome efforts like requiring public universities to provide medication abortion. They're showing us all how it's done so residents can enjoy some Californication without trepidation. And we've saved the worst for last because while we're not shocked, we are shook. In Arkansas, a bill has been put forward that would classify abortion as homicide with possible felony charges. This legislation would allow the state to arrest a person they say caused their miscarriage. Guess we've just thrown out the whole we're not going to punish pregnant people thing. Uh, That didn't last very long, you guys. Well, okay, there were a lot of raisins in this hellish trail mix. I hope you were able to digest it all as I went. This has been Quick Hits. Back to you guys. Thanks, Ma. Thank you so much, Molly. I'm looking forward to how this evolves. We are about to dive into that Arkansas mess. And as a reminder, these stories will be in the show notes. And as always, we remind you the best, most up-to-the-minute resource on accessing abortion care and funding your care is I Need an A. Listen, Arkansas really likes to live there, always be prosecuting pregnant people. Truth, coincidentally, always be prosecuting pregnant people is Arkansas's newest state license plate proposal. And now that Roe isn't a thing, they've gotten a lot more comfortable saying the quiet part loud. Arkansas has proposed House Bill 1174, which essentially says abortion equals murder. And that is terrifying because, A, miscarriage and abortion are often medically indistinguishable. So this essentially means any pregnancy outcome that isn't a healthy, bouncing baby equals murder. Or if it doesn't equal it, it will lead to prosecution, 
an investigation, which is just more stress on a person that may be dealing with a miscarriage or maybe dealing with their self-managed abortion. This is terrifying news. Yes. Yeah. I want to drill down a little bit on the language in this bill because it's what we've seen modeled elsewhere. It's it's fetal personhood. It's saying, okay, this fetus, now we're going to create a person and then this is how we get to murder. And this bill in particular, in addition to creating, assigning personhood to a fetus, it also repeals provisions that are meant to protect someone to not coerce them into birth basically. So now you have these anti-choice communities that are coming in and are saying, no, 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 we don't think there's enough protections to foster birth. And we want this bill to include that. This bill also would not allow people in emergency contexts and situations. It would grotesquely limit someone's ability. Like you outlined, Moji, if someone's experiencing a miscarriage, when people need abortion care right then, this does not allow people to access that. So does it prosecute them? Like if somebody it could possibly you could be in a, in a situation where you're prosecuted. If there's any doctor that is sus about why you're miscarrying, they can like just turn the tables on you. Right. Yep. And also, I'm really glad that you like really honed in on that, Liz, because A, yes, it's very, very predatory. It's going after doctors. I also want to flag for people, too, that the language of this bill is very religious in nature. So they reference God with a capital G. Like this is very much a Christian supremacy designed bill that's going to turn around and vilify medical providers that that we know churches vilify as well. And they're doing this at the same time that they're claiming to defend life. The same the same narrative that we see elsewhere. Yeah. And also, I want to just point like we've seen what's been happening in anti-abortion states post Roe that a lot of people are denied medical care uh, until they basically move into a really terrible place in their miscarriage management. And this says that there's exceptions for preserving the life of the pregnant person. But again, you know, we talked about this just a few weeks ago, a woman documented 14 days on TikTok, not getting the medical care that she needed to end a pregnancy that was ending that there was no chance of a of a live birth from. And right. so this is this just kind of adds on an, an extra prosecution level on top of that for the pregnant person. Yeah. Uh, and and we have to move on to our next story, but I just also want to point out that, you know, while it seems like this is happening all over the place, Arkansas has been sort of leading the charge on this for a while. They were they have a hotline in place where you have to call a, basically a state sanctioned fake clinic that will talk you out of having your abortion before you could even have your abortion. If And that was before. I don't even think you can have abortions now in Arkansas, but they passed that in 2021. And doctors would get prosecuted for that. And also, they were the very first people to start with the anti-trans, torturing trans kids laws. So they are on the forefront of all of this horrible, unspeakable, inhumane trash. So Arkansas, get your shit together. Sadly, we're moving on to another state that has no shit together, Texas. Yep, Texas. Most of us have seen abortion pills as the last frontier of hope as access is curbed around the country. But Texas is gonna Texas. So, Marie, will you talk about what may be happening to our pills thanks to the Lone Star State? Yes, Moji. The pervasive anti-choice community, they're continuing to lob attacks at abortion pill access. And this newest one is going after the FDA process of validating the medication and claiming it's just not safe. This is um, a group effort by a couple of entities, but the conservative advocacy hate group, Alliance Defending Freedom, they're at the forefront. They brought this case last year against Mifepristone, 
They claim the FDA didn't follow their very own robust guidelines in approving this abortion medication. And they deliberately filed the case in the Northern District of Texas. Because who doesn't want to do some judge shopping? And wouldn't you know it, Trump-appointed Judge Matthew Kaczmarek got the case in which an outcome could be the revocation of FDA approval of the abortion pill. Now, Mifepristone has been on the market since 2000. It's got a great history of safety and efficacy. This is literally a Y2K win. This is ancient medical established history. This lawsuit, however, is alleging the medication isn't safe, far outside of the six-year statute structure for lawsuits like this, and wants to remove access for the entire United States. So now we find ourselves at the mercy of this Texas judge who is poised to break up the supply chain of abortion pill medication. If FDA approval is lost, then Miffy won't be able to be shipped to abortion seekers by abortion providers and telemedicine as we know it will be so affected. I feel like that's the that's really the loud part we should be yelling. Like if FDA approval is revoked, it cannot go out. We won't get them. The lines to abortion pill will disappear or they will have to move offshore, right? It'll be aid access and all the things that we were doing before. It's just really, really terrifying. And this is so unprecedented. And when I was reading about it, it was like, this would be a joke anywhere, but this particular corner of Texas. <laughs> yeah. And I and I think like understanding who brought it, why they brought it. It is an organization that is some sketchy shell organization that has a website. They're based in Tennessee. But they say they're in Amarillo, Texas, and they specifically set up there so they could be in the jurisdiction of this judge. And this fucking judge, it's a joke because this judge is terrifying. He was the assistant senior counsel to the, the people that brought to the Supreme Court. Do y'all remember that case of the coach that wanted to pray in the 50 yard line and the Supreme Court was like, yes, we rule the one, the one he won in fall. Yeah. Yeah. I remember yeah. that. So that, that guy was the lawyer for that case. Right. And he has been for the past eight years, just writing opinion after opinion and op-ed after op-ed trashing birth control, trashing marriage out of wedlock, trashing immigrants, Trashing abortion, trashing LGBTQ trashing trans people, folks, trans people yeah. like he is a one man garbage band of judges. Right. To get in front of him is like if, if, if our side were were to literally just get in front of like me. Like if I was a judge, <laughs> I can, it was like, oh, the abortion cage went before Judge Winstead. It's a shoe in. Like, that's what it's like. And so you're right. It's just like. The guy is terrifying. The organization is fake and was formed just so they could get it in front of the guy. And the ramifications of what can happen is terrifying. And the merits of what they want to do make no sense. Like this medication has been on the market for 20 years. It is has less side effects than a Tylenol. It is truly effective. There is no reason to take it off the market. You just have to get a case in front of one ideologue and you can fuck it up for the rest of us. Yeah. And isn't that true that one judge can make all the difference in the lives of every single human in this country? Because just to reiterate, if this judge decides it's months before it gets to a hearing to the even to the Supreme Court, and is that Supreme Court going to help us? And this judge could decide in every state, even where abortion is codified in their state constitution, if they can rule the FDA's was faulty, states can't say, oh, 
but we're going to have this medicine that the government doesn't sanction. Right. It's wild. It's wild. So speaking of garbage people who promote all that, we should move on to our next story. Uh, The March for Life happened last week. It is our first episode back from when Roe v. Wade has been overturned by these garbage people that we are so happy (laughs) to have deciding our fate. And, you know, I just wanted to see, A, just do a short little check-in with y'all about where you were on this really sad, like, you know, marking of this time. I got to be in Chicago hanging out with a great independent abortion provider, one that Midwest Access Coalition. We're so fortunate to support patients that are traveling to this clinic. So I got to be like where I wanted to be, I guess, on the anniversary of Roe. I was where I wanted to be too. I was with my AAF team, kind of. We weren't working the day of, but definitely the day of March for Life. And we were supporting uh, Send in the Gowns, which we'll get into a little later. And that was exactly where I needed to be. Yeah, I was with some friends here and we did some work and, you know, a lot of organizations did commemorating Roe with actions, with marches and Abortion Access Front decided that we wanted to elevate the people who have destroyed abortion access and put them on blast on this day with it with the action emoji mentioned called send in the gowns, which was a way to amplify that the, the consequences to these actions. And so we thought it would be really great to talk about this action because we look at this action as a kicking off point for all of y'all to be jumping in and doing it. And so who better to have on our show, you know, sort of the post-row anniversary than the architects of this incredible action from Abortion Access Front, our programs director, Max Carwile, and our community engagement coordinator, Kristen Haiti. Let's bring them on and talk about this dope thing that we did to fight back. Hey, Kristen and Max. Hello. Hello. Good to see you. So good to have you all on the pod. I know what complete strangers. It's so great yeah. to meet you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Tell us about your work. <laughs> So Abortion Access Front was trying to figure out post-Roe into Dobbs, how we were going to respond to those Cretans from the March for Life who do their annual thing, and then also trying to figure out an action that could sort of get politicians on record. And y'all came up with something called Send in the Gowns that we did the same day the March for Life was happening. Do y'all want to explain a little bit about what this action is and why you chose this kind of action? I guess we'll start with Max and then go into Kristen. Perfect. Yeah. A large part of why we wanted to do Send in the Gowns was to show people that we hear that you were fired up about abortion access. You want to fight back. Don't worry. There are more ways to show that support than just giant marches. That was a very central part of our planning process, was making sure it was an event that could encourage people to understand anyone, anywhere can take action and have their voice heard. So the main idea of Send in the Gowns is it just requires a small group of people, like five, going to their state capitol building where their state legislators decide on all of the different bills that become laws that affect our reproductive health care. In these buildings, they are pretending they are medical experts. They are pretending they know what's best for our bodies, our futures, our families. So we wanted to go on in and be like, we hear you're medical experts. So 
Are you going to warm up that speculum? What are you going to do? Is this where I get my medical care? I took care of so many things for you. I brought my medical gown, everything to make your life easier. So give me that care you know all about while recording them, their staff, getting them on the record, especially when they say things like, this is not a medical office. Why would you be here? We want them to be aware of this hypocrisy. Well, and and I think really the beauty of this action for me is how accessible it is for everyone, you know, especially with big national orgs. Sometimes it's they come in and they're like, this is what you're doing. Follow our lead. And while we provided all these materials and made it easy, it's it's something that the people themselves are leading. You don't have to have done this work before. You don't have to be involved in abortion access. You can just be pissed off and passionate about it and go into your statehouse. And, and really, it's also low monetary lift, too. Inexpensive gowns, um, a few printouts and some surgical masks, which most of us have lying around anyway. Boom. You're ready. Done. What goes into planning these actions? I mean, I feel like, Kristen, you just gave us a little summary of like the amount of people in the paperwork, but like, was there anything else or was that everything? You know, the biggest part of the planning is really getting your team together. It has to be people you trust because you are going into the statehouse. Most of the time they're used to protesters. They're used to people coming in and are pretty good at getting them out. So you want the people that you're with to be trustworthy and reliable and you can designate roles. And so really, once you find your team, the rest of it's kind of easy. You figure out where your legislators' offices are that you're going to target. You go in, you figure out where the nearest restroom is so you can change into your gown and then you go. You practice the script a few times. You basically have to have someone carrying you. You you go through your script and have someone repeatedly interrupt and then you just you you don't listen. You keep going. <laughs> well, and what I like, Kristen, is for those of you who are listening, like, wait, you said script. Wait, you said this. What I really want listeners to understand is that these two amazing people have created a script, a toolkit, step-by-step instructions so that if you're somebody who has the will but doesn't know the first thing about it. And we're going to give you how you can contact to get your own script and get your own group of friends to do it and put it in our show notes. But like, that's the part that's really cool is that when we say it's easy, it's easy because Kristen and Max created a step-by-step instructions for the newbie, for somebody who's like, I want to do something that's more fun than just March. This is why I love it. Yes. I really love the physicality of this. Because we know there's some folks that like, and I know we'll talk about this too, if you can't do things in person, what what are your options? How can you participate? But there's some folks that really have the privilege that they can walk into a state house and do things. And so this is, this is, I think, a great call to action specifically for people that you have the ability to do those things. You live in those large cities. And I also wanted to ask to both of you, what was the reaction in state houses seeing those (laughs) folks? I'm curious, like, were there cheerleaders? Were there people amped? Were there people angry? Was security pissed? How, how did it, what are some things you can tell us about that? Oh, absolutely. That was one of my favorite parts is just everyone around us reacting because we Max, will you tell people where you were? Oh, yes, of course. So I was in Nashville, Tennessee, Tennessee land of hostility and aggression when it comes to abortion. And we had our little like mini planning session in the bathroom while in the gowns before we went in. And every now and then a staffer would come into the bathroom and look at us. And we were like, we're just preparing for our medical exams. And a staffer would be like, 
good for you. Yeah, you are. Uh, and so that was super fun. We would be in the hallways about to go in and there would be a group of Democrats or other supporters who were there who would see us, who would hear us talking on the Instagram live, who would just be at the other end of the hallway, like giving us a thumbs up, raising their hands, like making sure they didn't get in frame. Like we had so much support. And then I found out after we had left two uh, anti-abortion legislators, one of whom's offices we targeted, were in a budget hearing and they heard we were in the building and they apparently like rushed out of the hearing to try and find us and confront us. And I wish more than anything that they would have found us. I want to know so bad what they would have said of like, hey, we hear you're, you're asking us questions and expecting us of things. You, the taxpayer, the constituents, like I would have to see that reaction but apparently they were just running all about hunting us down and couldn't find us and it sounds like neglecting their actual duties and agenda that day because yeah again they gotta come after you the constituent also so excited to run out and confront you know women and people you know who can be have the capacities for pregnancy and tell them a little bit about themselves yes you know yeah I'm also really glad that you're telling us about the chili because that's what we don't see. Like we were watching it live and it was like what you didn't see were the people who were like, because, you know, you hear about red states, Tennessee, definitely one of them. And you're just like, everyone there is blah, blah, blah. But it's like, no, it's a big old state. Like we know people are progressive in the state. Mm -hmm. And so it's really exciting to me. And I almost wish we had seen like, you know, more progressive people and Democrats just saying like, right on, like, let them know that they're bullshit. Hey, and Kristen, you had a, you had some fun experiences. You were in Ohio. So talk, your experiences are slightly different than Max. Uh, do you want to walk through that? You had some muscle showing up. The popo, the security <laughs> popo. Yeah, we had a very, you know, we had a different reaction <laughs> in Ohio. Uh, first, it was mostly bemusement uh, as we were walking through in our gowns and people just looking and be like, hey, hi, everybody. Um, and once we actually got into the office, you know, we were able to go to two different legislators. We had originally hoped to go to five, but that did not pan out. Um, they were just a lot of confusion at first and just kind of, all right, fine, just get through your spiel. And they that's when they called security. So our first interaction with the troopers, I forget what they are, uh, the security at the state house was, OK, are you done in here? You can go to any office that's open. So we went to the next uh, open office. And apparently in between that time, things changed. Ah. We were were then told you can go to no offices. All of the doors are closed to you. Please leave. (laughs) So there's no room at the inn. Nope, there's none. (laughs) You are. Every door is closed. Get out. We don't want you here. It was actually terrifying to watch me who I, I don't know. I find interactions with police uncomfortable. And, but like, I was like, oh my gosh, this like, you're a tiny person. And the, the, the officer was huge and he yes. was just like looming over you. Well, you know what I uh, lack in size, I make up in um, attitude and mm-hmm. um, unearned bravado. So I love it. <laughs> In unrelated news, if you want to post Kristen's bail, (laughs) here's my cash (laughs) app. So there's two big victories that I want to talk about in in the in-person actions. And then I want to transition a little bit to the phone call action so that people can actually hear about that too. And we're going to play a little bit of one. But the two victories, 
that I found where um, in in all of the interactions, whether it was in person and on the phone, and one of the reasons that I think this is such an important action is they said without irony, well, this isn't a medical facility. Mm-hmm. And and this person who's, whose office you visited isn't a doctor. And like just making the point over and over, right? And sort of to have those people be asked really uncomfortable questions that you would ask your doctor because you want to know and to have them be wincing about it is the point, right? You are wincing instead of being helpful because you created a medical emergency and a medical crisis based on your fucking stupidity. And the second thing that was pretty cool about y'all's actions was we reached out to some friends of AAF, comedian Beth Stelling, who is an incredible comic, high profile HBO specials from Ohio, and then Margaret Cho, who needs no introduction. And they allowed us to take over their Instagram pages so that when you saw Margaret Cho's going live, it was not Margaret Cho, it was Max and company. And when Beth Stelling went live, it was Kristen and company. And I love that that we got so many more eyeballs on that because of that. And I think it's going to make a big difference. Absolutely. I am so grateful to everyone who took part and helped us. And it was so fun seeing the second I went live on Margaret Cho's Instagram, hundreds of people already watching. It cut through some of the work of trying to get that attention with a built-in audience. A lot of the comments were people being like, Margaret, I love you. And I'm just like, we love Margaret too, but I you know, watch the video. We're doing a lot of things here. It's just so great to know that there are people willing to lend their platform, lend this voice. And I think for others who are looking to replicate these actions in their own state capitals, think about who do you know who's gotten really popular on TikTok the past few years? Like, is there anyone you can reach out to of like, hey, I see you have a following. I see you're passionate about this. Can we collab? Because it was super straightforward and easy to do and got so many eyes on this important subject. It's so true. And for those of you who are like, I am not an in-person person. I do not want to confront these people. They are causing me harm on the reg. Max and Kristen have created a, a situation where you can call and talk to someone on the phone. Or if you're like, I can't even do that, you can call and leave a message um, because maybe that's where your comfort zone is, right? So we wanted to make sure that happened. And Beth Stelling, who we were just talking about earlier, who lent her uh, live stream support, also made a call herself. And we just wanted to play a little bit of Beth's call for you so you could get a little bit of a taste of what people did when they make these calls. So let's roll the Beth Stelling piece and hear that. Legislators want to act like doctors. Well, I have no choice but to treat them like one. I'm calling Roger Nutt in South Carolina to get some advice on my body. You have reached the South Carolina House of Representatives, offices of Representative Moore and Nutt. Please leave a message at the sound of the tone. Thank you for calling. Okay, so what if I don't know I'm pregnant because my period's regular and I go in the bumper cars at Dave and Buster's and take a steering wheel to the old semen canteen, start hemorrhaging, then how long would I go to jail for that? Okay, if you, if I do I call the main office? Sometimes it's just nice to talk to a human person that's living outside of the uterus, you know what I mean? Your message has been sent. So that is, Beth did a three minute, had all these different scenarios and was very funny. And it just shows, it gives you some freedom to say whatever you want. You know, Beth's clever. So Beth got to, Beth really went out on a Beth limb 
but we have all kinds of scenarios in our scripts that we can send you. So good job. Also, I did uh, I did a phone action and it was really a lot of fun to do. And there was something cathartic about just saying like, no, seriously, think about what you're doing. And I, I know. you know, yeah, it was fun. I'm going to do one this week. I decided, uh, I mean, Max, you talk about this so well that, you know, we kicked off the action in this sort of important time. But will you talk to folks a little bit about if they do want to get involved, why it's important to keep this action going to keep things going and how people can get involved in, and do one themselves. Absolutely. The opposition is really counting on us to lie down, calm down, be fine with all of this and just go on business as normal in our lives. We know that. We know that from the ProPublica article that talked about Tennessee legislators meeting with Susan B. Anthony list to say they're all going to calm down and then we can start moving on birth control and IVF. They're counting on us. That's why we must be loud at all times in whatever way is possible, which means to sustain that action, not everything is going to be a giant march or protest. It means individuals all across the country speaking up however they can, whenever they can, which these phone actions are a great opportunity to do. And we help walk people through all of your questions and concerns you may have with doing this. Like we've received a lot of questions on the legal aspect of one-party consent or two-party consent. So we talk about, here's what your state's laws are. Here's what you could do. You could record only yourself, not the other person. This is what we're here for. We want this to feel as easy as possible for you so that not only do you take action, but then you get your friends to take action. They get their friends to take action, and it keeps going because we are now end of January. We are seeing a lot of bills filed all across the country that are catastrophically terrible. They are not stopping at Roe being overturned. It can and absolutely will get worse. It is not the time to wait and see what happens, but to take action and laugh about it where you can. So you stay in this movement and don't want to drop dead. Yeah. Kristen, any, any, any thoughts on that? We just have to be more annoying. I mean, all actions don't have to be these big, huge things. It just has to be consistent targeted pressure on the people that are making our laws and and that means we don't leave them alone we are in their offices and the state house their local offices we are at the events they go to if they you know if maybe if they own businesses like we let people know we don't shop at these businesses because this person is involved in taking away our rights to abortion and and reproductive health care and all all of that under the sun we just can't let up. And and sometimes I think we get it in our head that they do have to be these big grand gestures. But really, it was about 15 minutes for us that we were in the state house. And that was enough. It was plenty. We just, as if we haven't all been told to speak less and not be as annoying and in everybody's faces, we just have to double and triple down and be everywhere all at once. And I have to tell you, I just, um, I'm in Minnesota and I was yesterday with some leadership here in a coalition doing reproductive work. And the one thing that they said, and this is, I really want people to hear this. And that is Minnesota is one of the states that is one of the sort of amazing states that is a shining example of what can happen when you have pro-abortion people. But because abortion pushed the narrative, not politicians, beyond abortion, the issue, Right. And so Democrats who are pro-choice have now had to hear the pro-abortion constituents 
and they don't actually have the experience of the antis coming at them all the time. And they're annoyed with the anti-abortion people who show up every single day and they're getting a little bit soft. Like maybe we can push this bill. I don't want these people in my face. They're bugging me. And so for our allies who are doing the good work, for us to show up for them also to say, thank you for doing this. I know these people are annoying, but I'm here to tell you that this is the work of angels. And so like, um, it's important knowing that they're there every day, that we need to be there every day, you know, phone tree it, go see if you can just do rotations, you know, because they're there every day. They have nothing to do. So, and that's where our work at Abortion Access Front, we want to be a welcoming space, a one-stop shop for people who are new to the movement, trying to figure out their place, how to get involved. It's why we're providing all these resources for all y'all to do in person or phone calls into the gowns actions. And then also working on some trainings with Center for Popular Democracy that are all about bird dogging, all about finding your legislators where they're at, be them federal, state, or local level elected officials and getting them on the record. Where do you stand on this issue? How do you justify this vote? How are you planning to vote on this upcoming bill? We cannot allow them to have a moment of peace. They hold the power that decides our entire future. So we want to help you all prepare for this and know how to take action, know how to have your voices heard. We want them to see your face and be like, oh, God, not this. <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly right, Kristen. Thank you so much, Max and Kristen, for showing up. Thanks, y'all. To learn more about how to do your own version of Send in the Gowns on the phone or in person, email Kristen and Max at programs at aafront.org. Link in the show notes. And... You know, we're a small homegrown podcast and we can't do this work without the support of our incredible, term used loosely, sponsors. Marie, will you let us know about the new product that we can't live without that's helping us keep the engines going this week? Yes. Do you long for the good old days when round, chocolate, colorful coated candy men were men? When candy didn't promote drag queen story hour or AP African-American history? Well, good news for you, because Tucker Suckers have arrived. The new candy from Masculinity's Vanguard, dedicated anti-M&M truther, Tucker Carlson. Tucker Suckers have two great tastes that go great together. The long-lasting hard shell of a God-fearing hetero man and the omnipresent creamy filling of a God-fearing hetero man. Taste the rainbow? Not on his watch. Tucker Suckers have the two explicit flavors of freedom. Explicitly heterosexual explicitly white chocolate. Finally, a candy with all the deliciousness of today's so-called leading chocolate brands with none of the wokeness. Don't settle for any old candy. Visit tuckersuckers.com today and use coupon code cucksucker for limited edition ivermectin gummies. Tucker Suckers, for the suckers who love Tucker. That sounds delicious. Unclear. Creamy white guy filling. Can we all agree that white chocolate is the worst chocolate? It's not chocolate. No, I will not agree. I will not. I will not. Oh my God. In you're, fact, you're team white chocolate. My mom is also team white chocolate. You mean, you know? you mean almond bark moji? I'm fine with almond bark. Let's not, not yes, chocolate. Yes. Yes. I'm also have the unpopular opinion that dark chocolate is garbage. Uh, hard disagree, uh, Liz, and these are fighting words and we're going to have to pick this yeah. up behind yeah. a schoolyard yeah. somewhere with fisticuffs. I know, it's true. But we got to move on. We got to move on to our fantastic, fantastic, 
fantastic next guest. Yes. From her hilarious YouTube special to her obsession with cats and therapy, our next guest is the comedian your dark side can only dream of. Please welcome Liz Mealy. Welcome, Liz. It's awesome to have you. Hey, Liz. Hey, Liz. Hi. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for joining us. I wanted to get us all started talking about your special, The Ghost of Academic Future. We really were impressed by how you're relatable in it, but not in a Seinfeld way. I think, Liz, you you said in a shared darkness kind of way. <laughs> and you've commented before on how depression has brought you to stand up. And I wondered, how how does that work? How does how does that work in your setup, in your journey? I mean, I like whenever somebody asks me even how I write my material, I always say I cry about it. And then I start writing. So there's like a, like there's a process of actually, I guess, feeling my feelings. I don't know if I did that before therapy, but there is a process of acknowledging that things suck. And then it's kind of weirdly this like separation of what just happened and, and, and who I am in some ways. I kind of look things from the outside. And that's usually I don't really I never really related to that. Like what's funny about this. It's more like, what is the extreme emotion of stuff? So everything from like deep depression to like extreme excitement to like just massive confusion to like pure anger. And then I just kind of follow those feelings to like, well, why, why do I feel that way? You know what I mean? Because sometimes it's really valid. Like sometimes it's like, yeah, like why, why are we just accepting this? And then there's times where it's like, no, that's on me. That's, that's not okay. That reaction is not, I was raised wrong and I acknowledge that and I'm going to, we're going to work on that. So I, think, I have to ask you what skills you have to differentiate between I was raised wrong and that's not right. How do you do, how do you make that differentiation? Asking for ourselves. You see it in people's eyes. I'll be honest. Like uh, you see it in people's eyes. Like I've, I, I think we've all been in that situation where like you think you're bonding with somebody, but really you're scaring someone. So <laughs> I think that awareness of this person uh, does not feel safe with me. And I'm a very tiny person. I'm genuinely how people feel about cats. Where like when somebody is just like, cats are awful and they're scary and they're mean. And you're like, dude, they're like 10 pounds. Like just throw them. Like, I don't, I don't understand. And that's kind of how, <laughs> when I see somebody scared of me, I'm like, I've crossed the boundary and we're going to, we're going to talk about that in therapy. Oh yeah, you are cat people. Oh my God, we loved how much you're cat people. We're cat people. Two out of three of us are cat people here. I have two, I have three cats in my home right now. Okay. And we're cat people, which means you are our people. I like how you're like, I have roommates. (laughs) Can we talk about, I am a part of this group. (laughs) (laughs) They like to exclude me because they only have cats. Right. But I have three cats and a dog. And I'm like, can I be part of your club, please? (laughs) I just, I'm too lazy for a dog. I mean, I think that's really like, I'm not, I'm not putting on pants for anybody, especially something I love. Like, I just, I can't, I'm not, I'm not doing it. So, I mean, my cat even can't be here for this podcast. Like he's insane. So there's a lot of exclusion that I don't know if could happen if I had a dog. So you talk about cat abortions, but you have a boy cat. What? How? Well, when I wrote that joke, I had a girl cat. So I lost, I lost my, my cat, uh, pasta 16 years, I think about a year and a half ago. And I just got abs five months ago. We're still getting along. He broke something yesterday. So we're kind of in a fight and I have, I just got a kitty cam because I was away yesterday and it'll say like motion detected. And like, 
I know it's my cat, but I have to look to make sure I'm like nothing bad's happening in my apartment. And he just discovered the camera. So it's like motion detected. And then it's just a camera. It's my cat. Like, God, <laughs> and I'm just like, okay, we're all good. But cat abortion, I mean, in general, that joke just came from the fact that both my parents being veterinarians and both, both my parents are veterinarians. Yeah. Did they meet like veterinary giving school? pet abortions? Yes, they both, they were both doing cat abortions and they're just like, I think this, I think we have something here. I think we could I build found my person. I think we could build a life. We're not going to do it to kids. We're going to have too many kids. There's five of us, but we're going to get rid of all the kittens. So yeah, my mom's a cat specialist. My dad did kind of all small animals, but what I've realized as somebody that grew up with vet parents is that we didn't go to the doctors because our parents were doctors, but not the right kind of doctors. So like, I like, I still to this day have like ointment that says for cats and dogs only, like, it's a very like weird kind of, so I always go to my parents for medical advice and it's not always sound. And then it just started to kind of come to me that I was like, oh, if I was in this situation, I'd be like, yeah, my mom's going to do my abortion. That's obviously what's going to happen. Also, if you had COVID, maybe they'd say it was kennel cough. So you should be careful. Well, there is technically a cat COVID. So yeah, it's very different and it's been around forever. And it's, it's, I actually had a kitten that had it, but it's COVID in the cat world has been around forever. So it is even weirder. Do they get it from eating bats? I don't know. I don't know what they get it from, but it's, um, it's terminal. So if they have it, like, like my kitten Aww. wasn't strong enough and he, he died at three months. Oh, I know oh, it's heartbreaking. That's terrible. Way to bring it down, I know. Liz. I know. Way and to I'm bring talking it down. about this Liz, Liz Winstead, <laughs> not Liz, not Liz Mealy, Liz Winstead brought it down. I was like, whoa. <laughs> so you've done three self-produced specials. Just, I love that. I did one too, and it was really hard. Talk about what your labor is in actually doing your own special? Like, do you do everything? I do everything. And I, I want to stop, but the industry is just like, no, it seems like you're doing a great job. Like, it's so funny. The amount of like friends that have been on like HBO and Netflix and all these big things are like, we want to do what you're doing. And I'm like, no, I want to do what you're doing. <laughs> like, no, 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 yeah. no, don't come over here. I'm trying to get over there. Yeah. The grass is always, <laughs> always greener. Yeah. And there's so many benefits and I, I'm happy to help people. And I I'm proud of the work that I've done, but it is, it's the job of like 80 people. Like I, I'm sure some union's going to come after me to be like, Hey, put down, put down that boom mic. Like, what are you doing? (laughs) Good job. (laughs) But it's everything. It's everything from like, you know, uh, alerting people that I'm doing a show, booking the venue to hiring camera people to, um, you know, hiring a makeup artist, uh, getting people to do background design, uh, hiring an editor, sitting in the edit, making a trailer. I'm, proud of myself. And the first hour that's on YouTube was actually just, just an album, but I had always been using YouTube and I had always been kind of self-promoting even like 12, 15 years ago. So I just kind of took that and I threw it online during the pandemic and it just kind of exploded. But I had already self-produced what was going to be my second special. And then now what is my third? But I think anybody that's in, I feel like in any industry at this point, but especially show business, I think there were so many gatekeepers and so many doors and so many no's And you really didn't have any options. And I feel very fortunate that I've kind of been on both sides of it where like really there was a lot of no's and there was nowhere to go. And then because of social media and, and just even just having more channels and more different places that people can be, even the fact that there are more women are like being allowed (laughs) to do stand up, let alone be on TV and, and, and giving us a a voice that we so desperately uh, wanted to share 
I feel fortunate that I've straddled both worlds and as hard as it is to do it all yourself, I'd rather have the option than what it was before where you just had to wait for some person to decide if you had value. And I think what I'm really fortunate about is like the tenacity that my parents instilled because I remember when I first self-produced my album that is now a special 10 years ago, I was like, I think I'm funny, but nobody seems to feel that way, (laughs) but I'm just going to try. And then when it it did decent, when I first put it out 10 years ago, but re-putting it out in 2020, I was like, I knew I was funny. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's a little part of me that's like, I knew these were good jokes because I'm 28 in that video. I wrote all those jokes when I was like 26, 27. And it's really interesting, all the people. And I was very depressed, very depressed girl that you're watching. And I've been in therapy now for 10 years. And it's so weird to be like, it's good to see you've grown. And I was just like, yeah, but you're watching it like back to back. Like it's kind of, some of people are like, it seems like you're doing better. I was like, yeah, but I want to, show you all the empty tissue boxes and all the work I did emotionally to also get there. And you got there and it feels like you just have somewhere put all the fucks because you're definitely, you know, speaking your truth and doing that. And, and I always just love to ask people when they come on our podcast, because I know you're, you know, we were laughing about cat abortions, but you're somebody who also is like not afraid to talk about oppression and patriarchy and all the other garbage that goes along with it. Like, have you got any blowback? Um, I mean, I don't know, like I grew up on like self-help books and like toxic positivity and most of it I've kind of let go because it does kind of harm you in the back end. But I will say having a better mindset to take on the industry and to take on, I would say the internet has really saved me. And one of them is when I know when a video is going viral, I know when something is going outside of the little fan base I have because it is mostly men telling me that I'm ugly, that I'm stupid, that I'm not funny, that, you know, don't quit my day job, like just make me a sandwich. Think of every horrible thing a woman could be told for any array of reasons. And I see it and I get excited because I'm like, oh, it's doing well. So like, I just had a video, um, hit a million views on Instagram and I could tell you the exact moment and went outside my fan base. Like, you know what I mean? Because it was just, they attack your physical appearance. They attack who you are as a person. They attack your abilities. And it's like, whether you like me or not, that's, that's fine. I don't care if anybody doesn't find me funny. I absolutely know I'm not for everybody. And that is a hundred percent. Okay. But to tell me I'm not funny, it's like, dude, I've been doing this 20 Mm -hmm. years. Statistically, I actually am. It's not even (laughs) an ego behind that. Statistically. And I'm very open when I bomb and don't do well. Statistically speaking, I'm pretty damn funny. Yeah. I mean, there's a million comics we can all list, like your Dane Cooks and your Carrying Ons, who sell out stadiums, who I'm like, you're not funny to me, but people think you're funny. Like you you make people laugh. And like, that's exactly. And I think that's a really good distinction to make a lot because they love that. You know, it's always nice when, you know, you're right. You can tell that moment when it happens, you know, it's like, why do I have a bunch of new followers? Oh, because Joe Rogan said something (laughs) terrible about me on the internet and his show. So, okay. So there we go. I I do. I do feel fortunate that I can kind of, I'm not saying certain ones don't hurt, but for the most part, like it's, it's people that I know are unhappy with their lives. Like it's, it's so obviously projection at this point, I read it and 99% of the time it makes me laugh. And I kind of get excited because I'm like, Oh, I knew this joke was going to do well. This is exciting. And what it really does is like, it hits my fan base 
and it does whatever that is. And then it goes through like this kind of like tunnel of angry people that hate themselves. And then it comes out the side to like new people. They're like, Oh, I never heard your stuff before. So you just have to get through like the, the sad people and then find your happy. I like your jokes people. And I think that's awesome. Hey, I want to ask you, we have to go. It goes so fast. It really does. I'm like, yeah. I feel like there's more I wanted to say. Where are you in the five kids? Where, where where do you live? I live at number two. I'm the second oldest of five. Oh, you're a middle child. Uh, I'm the youngest of five. I was wondering, Moji's the oldest. I'm the oldest of three. And Marie is the... I'm the oldest of four. We don't really know that many middle children, so this is exciting. So I both identify as an older sibling because I raised my little brothers and a middle sibling because me and my my little sister and my little brother, like the middle kids, really get along the most. And we shared a room uh, when we were younger. But I, I, it's not a finished joke, but I actually have a new joke about how I over-identify as an older sister. And like, I, it's like not a great personality. Like I have like mom put me in charge vibes, even as somebody that's like pushing 40. (laughs) And if I don't get along with somebody, 90% of the time, they're the baby of the family. Just like, like genuinely like, like mom likes me best privilege. Like you just see it in their answers. And I just, I literally talk about how nobody respects the older sibling and all their sacrifices. Like I'm the Rosa Parks of my family. Like everything my siblings get to do. Yes. I paved the way for you to have a yes, boring absolutely. childhood. <laughs> I'm the oldest sibling, and I know that my middle, my my sister, my younger sister, she got all the privileges I got at the yeah. same bullshit. time. It's bullshit! Oh my god, you people are whining pieces of garbage. Listen to you. You know what I got? Old parents who didn't do shit. They were so old, they did not give a fuck. And that is not privileges. That is, we don't give a fuck anymore. We're tired of parenting. So if you don't end up with a heroin problem, it's simply a happy accident. That is exactly what it means. So stop your whining, kids. Stop harming on the young ones. Um, Liz, we got to go. Thank you so much for joining us. You are awesome. Yes, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you, Liz Millie, for joining us. You can check out her tour dates at LizMillie.com and follow her on social media at LizMillie. And I also wanted to again thank Kristen and Max for joining us today. To learn how to plan your own send in the gowns action, hit up Kristen and Max at programs at aafront.org. Action items. You can get involved in even more ways. Check out our five-part training series, Operation Save Abortion, available in video and podcast form. Gather friends. Watch or listen, and together, follow the activity guide for a full experience. Details for the series are at operationsafeabortion.com. And make sure you check out the activist calendar as well, which is chock full of local and national actions and educational opportunities. Thank you so much for listening. We want to be a reliable info hub and a source of humor as we face some really hard times together. We are in this. We got you. Subscribe, write a review, give us five stars. It's the best way for our podcast to reach more people. And by doing so, you're helping more people learn about this assault on abortion access. To keep up on all the latest Repro news, follow us on social at Abortion Front on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. FBK Live is edited by Remy Tournay, and it is produced by Abortion Access Front. Looking for some action? Like be part of the solution action? Sign up for one of Abortion AF and Center for Popular Democracy's upcoming trainings on bird dogging. Bird dogging involves holding your elected officials accountable, finding out their position on an issue, and or pressuring them to take action for a cause you care about, like abortion. 
there are two options to attend, one on the evening of Tuesday, February 7th, and one on the evening of Thursday, February 9th. Sign up at the link in our show notes. That's right. And next week on the pod, we'll be talking to Marie's boss, Diana (laughs) Parker Kafka, Executive Director of the Midwest Access Coalition on all things practical support. And comedian Kenise Mobley, whose debut album follow-up question is out now, drops by to talk about the intersections of activism and comedy and about the event that changed her life forever. And lastly, join our Patreon. You'll support great content and get cool FBK merch and experiences. All pledges support this pod and all our activism at Abortion Access Front. Pledge at patreon.com slash feminist buzzkills. We leave you with Idaho State Rep Jack Nelson, a man who shows his whole ass by saying he deeply understands the complexities of reproductive health care because... Grew up on the farm. I've milked a few cows, spent most of my time walking behind lines of cows. So if you want some ideas on repro and the uh, women's health uh, thing, I have some definite opinions. Feminist Buzzkills Live, the podcast from Abortion Access Front. When BS is popping, we pop off. New episodes drop Friday. If you want to support our podcast and all the work of Abortion Access Front, like, subscribe, and join our Patreon at patreon.com slash feministbuzzkills. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.